Episode 28, Behind the Veil, Part 1. Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten Podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Betrion, Kaya as Lillison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Erthrandir. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now, let's get right to Ravenloft. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curse of Strahd Twice Bitten, the show where five DMs take on D&D's top gothic horror campaign. As always, I am Dragna Carta, your host and DM, and thank you for tuning in. Well, last week we finally hit a bit of a milestone. How's everyone feeling now that we finally hit the Taroka? Uh, it feels right. It feels correct. It's going to be interesting figuring out what these things are, because we, uh, of course, as DMs who have run this, don't know where any of this stuff is. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm excited because one of these locations is a place that my party ha- got and literally never figured out. So that's, that's cheering. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely happening a bit later than usual. I mean, when did your guys' things happen? I presume toward the start of your campaigns. Level three. Session one. Level six. E. We were in a room in the library with with electric candles and me trying to be spooky. It was fun. Nice. My Madame Eva has a Long Island accent, so... <laughs> Amazing. I would pay to hear that. Well, you hear it some time. Why not? Just uh, give it some time. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, uh, with that said, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I believe with uh, Madam Ava's uh, Taroka reading out of the way, welcome to season two of Curse of Strahd Twice Bitten. Whoop, whoop. And with that this said, we jumped the shark. Yeah, indeed. There are many sharks to be jumped, all of them in Lake Zarevich. Uh, <laughs> so. Without further ado, let's get started this week with Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. A striking elven female with an almost ritualized poise, Kiva Cyrilai always endeavors to be a level-headed mediator and a soothing presence in the lives of all she meets. Determined to look ever forward, she relies on controlling day-to-day chaos. Anyone who watches her for long enough, however, can clearly see there's something undeniably feral and unpredictable bubbling under the surface. In the company of these fine strangers, he is just Metreon. But across the Sword Coast, he's known as Metreon the Magnificent. He is a tiefling whose body and dress carry the signatures of a nomadic performer, as evidenced by the rougher edges of his costume and his sinewy frame covered in faded tattoos. Though he may not look like a typical magician, rest assured, he cleans up quite handsomely. The well-dressed, well-spoken half-elf who introduced herself as Lilisen has stayed away from the rest of the traveling group during the journey so far. Oh, she's friendly enough if someone strikes up a conversation with her. Charming, even. But left to her own devices, she invariably keeps to herself, 
and even looks nervous when anyone comes within ten feet of her. Amity, a terrifying deviloid with a tail that will knock your drink over if she gets too excited. Even worse, some pig follows her around and eats almost as much as she does. Yet, she's generous and easy to befriend, especially if you get her talking about her book of fables. Just, if she compares you to a fox, it's hard to tell if that's a compliment. Erythrindir is a high elf man who looks perpetually like he's never quite gotten enough sleep. After his departure from elven society, he found himself out in the wilderness, working as a ranger in the deep, deep woods. However, this did little to quell his passion for history, and he's found himself on the road to Neverwinter, hoping to track down a book that might hold the answer to a question he's held for a long, long time. And welcome back, everybody. Love that I castle tour. did not think it was possible for the intro to get cooler, and I fucking blown away. It was so good. <laughs> that lingered <laughs> uh... on the tomb at the end. <laughs> Thank you to Zio, our producer, for uh, again coordinating an excellent season two intro. Slightly ominous that all the rest of us have, uh, you know, our names on the screens of some pretty nice uh, outdoorsy places, and then they stick Arthur Deer right in the Amber Temple. Yeah, you know, really. Uh, <laughs> That's not foreshadowing at all. Yeah, <laughs> not not remotely. I'll just leave them there. It's fine. All right. Well, I think we are ready to uh, get started with this week's episode. So, last we left off on Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. Facing an uprising against Baron Volokovich, fueled by rage and fear from the vampire attacks on St. Andrew's Church, as the Volokians attacked the Baron's home and family, our companions invaded the mansion themselves. They're rescuing his son, Victor Volokovich, and lifting the Baroness's wedding dress to deliver to the Abbot of the Abbey of St. Markovia. The following morning, after Metreon received a dark dream and a bittersweet gift from his patron, the Wounded One, and after the companions regrouped in the taproom of the Blue Water Inn to keep watch for vampires through the night, the party set off for the Dusk Elf encampment to the west of Velaki. There, Erthrandir delivered Victor temporarily into the capable hands of the Dusk Elf Casimir, though not before learning of an ancient ruin called the Amber Temple, which Casimir believed held the secret to breaking Strahd's pact and freeing Barovia, as well as the means of resurrecting Casimir's own sister, Petrina, from the dead. Traveling east on the old Svalich Road, the travelers were beset by strange encounters aplenty, an eerie skeletal rider, a band of wandering Vistani, and a bestial druid that fled to the woods at Kiva's arcane command. Thankfully, after nearly a full day of travel, the companions arrived safely at Seerpool Encampment, the home of Madame Eva, the Vistani seer. There, the companions received a warm welcome from the local Vistani, learning that Madame Eva had in fact been expecting them. Within Ava's tent, the old fortune teller greeted them warmly and offered to tell their future through their fortunes. Withdrawing an old deck of Taroka cards, the crone drew five cards, knowledge of the ancient, to be found in the castle amid the ruins of a place of supplication, a holy symbol of protection, to be found in a dark guild member's tomb, a sword of sunlight, found near a pool blessed by the white sun, 
an ally in the battle against darkness, the leader of the Feathered Ones among the vines, and a place where they would find their enemy, a sacred place where the morning light once shone. And so, as Madame Ava's reading comes to an end, as she regains her awareness, her faculties, as the lights and sounds within the tent return to normal, as the lapping of the waves against the shores of Serapool beyond, as you hear the crackling of the bonfire beyond the door of Madame Ava's tent, you are left more in the dim interior of her enclosure as she glances forward toward you, her eyes dark and thoughtful. Wow, okay. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not sure what to say. Uh, does, this, does this mean anything to anybody else? I mean, uh, Ava, was it? How do you know yes. these things? The whisperings of the fortunes are difficult for many to decipher. But I have been given certain gifts and well, there are those among my keep people gifted with the eye that sees beyond. <laughs> One gains a certain amount of practice over time, my dear. I, you said that um, one of them was in the ruins of a, a place of supplication. Can can you like describe that more specifically? That I cannot. The cards they send me, images, words, sensation. But it is the task of mortal kind to interpret what the fates divine, my child. Did Irina and Ismark come into the tent with us for the reading? Uh, if you would have invited them, then yes, they would be here. Up to you. Of course. Yeah. yeah, I think it makes sense because I think the moment that Eva mentions this this pool blessed by light, she's got like locked eyes with Irina. Like, are we thinking the same thing here? Um, Irina that is feels looking, like a meaningful uh, piece of information. Irina is looking very thoughtful. Her eyes are kind of down, not kind of downcast, but like like when you're turning over the answer to a question on a test that you're pretty sure is the right one. She kind of glances up toward you and raises an eyebrow, catching her gaze. Yeah, I think that's, she's definitely um, also turning things over in her head. Um, also looking, I guess, to the others, people that she thinks are far smarter, which would be um, uh, Erthrit Deer and Lillison for like, what do you guys <laughs> think about this? Erthendir is like chewing on his tongue, apparently. His eyes kind of alight with the pleasure of someone who's just gotten a really good puzzle to untangle. So, interesting. So, I, I respect you telling us that you can't, that you've got what you've got information wise. That is very kind. And, uh, he kind of shakes himself. Thank you. I. I don't know what we're going to do with these exactly, but I, if it's that important, then it seems like, well, what sh it's our next step to figure out what all this means. Lillison is still in sort of the back of the group, and she is having trouble um, 
keeping from looking still very angry. For everybody else, this is probably like the most amount of time that you've seen her like wrestle with one emotion at once. Um, and she is fighting to keep her voice calm as she says, Do your arts tell you if we are destined for success in this venture? Well, the fates are not always entirely clear, but success is not something that one easily gleans, but follow the fates. That is all I can say. Metreon kind of looks down to Amity and whispers, wait, you said you said you seen uh, when you saw them spirits in the, the graveyard at Barovia that they said that there was uh, other people who come here, right? That That's right. Uh, Ava, Madam Ava, uh, you've done this before. Told fortunes? Why, yes, my dear. No, I mean to, to to people who who wanted to to end him. She raises an eyebrow. Child, there have been many in time who have sought to defeat the Dark One in his castle. As I am sure you have seen, well, there are many fates in store for them. As for what fate has in store for you, <laughs> well, that's an entertaining possibility. But, but did you give them a, like a reading like this, where you like told them where a weapon was and a powerful force for good? The cards are always different for those that come to my camp. Some seek some things, others are given, others entirely. But yes, I have spoken with those who have sought to remove the devil from his castle. As for whether they heeded my words, as for whether they divined the secrets that the Taroka held for them, that I cannot say. Uh, are you saying that if we heed these words and, and follow these five directives, then, then, then we'll probably succeed? As I have said, the inner sight is instructive, but it is not, well, for one such as me, omniscient. I see what I can, but there are always clouds, there are always mists, but be that it may, I can promise you, my dear, that what I have spoken of this day, what the Taroka has shared, the fates have spoken through me, well, you'll scarce find another more trustworthy in all of Barovia. <laughs> I I was wondering about that about that actually. I've been waiting to meet you because Emily Stammers. Uh, ever since I got here, Sun Signs had these dreams that they're vague, but they like foretell what's going to happen tomorrow. Ah, well. The seers of the Vistani are not the only ones gifted with the sight, my dear. Especially in a land such as this, the dead are outside of time in some ways. The way that they see fate is not as we do. And well, 
such a time spent, I imagine, would shift any mortal's perceptions. Mm -hmm. uh, are, are you saying that I'm dead? Oh, or no, that... my dear. But you've heard your voices. Their voices, haven't you? Yeah, but he nods a bit shakingly. You'd best heed them, my dear. They whisper. But if we listen carefully, those with the gift can hear. One may find that in delving into the wisdom of spirits, one carries away many gifts indeed. Amity nods. Thank you. I'm, I'm definitely listening to them. Good. We should probably get together and f try to figure out what these things mean. Earthrendir, like, kind of jerks out of the reverie he's been in thinking. Yeah, but uh, one thing. He turns to look at the others, his voice serious. We need to be very careful how we talk about these. If we're if we believe, madam, that madam here, and that these are our key to success, then it is imperative that the vampire does not find out about them. So if we talk about this, then we need to do so in a way that we take every measure to make sure he is not listening. Oh no, madam Maver, he can't see here, Dick, can he? Because I think he's been watching us... I think he's been watching us through me, and I've been here, and I know these things now, and I, 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 I don't want to give it up. <laughs> Scared of snarks and spooks in the night, are you, dearie? Well, yeah. <laughs> well. She looks around, her eyes wide. I don't see the vampire here. She offers you a sly look, but then again... That would be telling, wouldn't it? So we talk in code, or we write things down, and that's it. Yep, and we ferret off any spies that we can find. Um, if you guys want to find a, a place to, to sort of uh, rest for a moment, I just want to uh, talk to Madame Eva before I join you. If you don't mind, I'm sticking around. Uh, I also yeah. have something I'd like to ask her. But you can go first. Earthly laughs. laughs. Let's just give you. Let's I'll just take me and Lillison and go find somebody. Well, let's, well, I'll give you your privacy, love, and just let us know when you're done, and we'll, we'll, we'll you know, queue it up. Awesome. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate it. Lillison looks like she is entirely happy to leave. Uh, she, you know, turns away, uh, almost like leaves right then and there, uh, and then glances back and gives Madame Ava a polite-ish nod before she does. Yeah, Marathon Deer will follow her out. Bowing as, well. as he does. Same. As Mark and Irina will follow as well, uh, Esmeralda included. So once they're um, alone, Kiva would go just back over and um, sit in front of Madame Ava and just say, um, 
I don't want to take up your valuable time, but um, you mentioned being able to talk to spirits, and I, I was wondering if you could maybe um, just sort of look in on particular ones. Oh, my dear. Some things are that we might wish are available to us are not always quite so simple. But if it is communion you seek, perhaps your friend might be better equipped. Right. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. She looks a little um, disappointed uh, and stands back up. Um, I, like I said, sorry for um, taking your time. She'll just rush out of the tent. Uh, Metreon, seeing this, uh, motions over to Amity. Uh, if you want to have a go of it, uh, I don't know how long I'm going I'm to be. Right. Kiva just Amity. looks like absolutely fucking crushed as you walk by, and she's like wiping at her face, but she goes to follow after Lillison and Arthur Well, then Amity's going to sort of turn to her and be like, uh, 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 "Are you okay? Did did she do something?" No, uh, it's a stupid question. You can go in now. Uh, are you sure? I, I wouldn't want to. I, I mean, if 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 you want some alone time, that's fine. Uh, Emily, just, sort of, yeah. Just don't ask for anything you really want. Is all I'll say. <laughs> I'll I'll ask for something I sort of want. Um, Emily, uh, awkwardly, turns around and sort of back shuffles into the tent. Uh, I I just want to know I because. Something tells me, Madame Ava, she bows a little bit, that if I were able to get these, like, sticks and, and bones, some kind of things marked, I, I don't know how I know this, but if I could find something like that. She's sort of trying to describe here the um, spell components of Augury, hoping that maybe Magnum Eva can either uh, sell her some or give her a tip towards them. Eva tilts her head to one side. Well, there have been many things that I have obtained over the years. Hmm. But then again, perhaps the source of the aid you seek is closer than you think. After all, there are many tools that one can wield to view what lies beyond. Um, l like what? <laughs> well. She shuffles the, she turns the cards very carefully from the table, shuffling them into a deck and then replacing it in her sleeve. Sh many things are the sights of the future. Perhaps you might be well equipped to investigate those that you might already have available, my dear. Amity nods, uh, smiling. Um, all right, it's uh, another prediction. All right, thank you. She curtsies again uh, for everything and leaves the tent, uh, gesturing Metreon, and it's his turn. Yeah, uh, Metreon uh, looks like he wants to say something to Kiva, but is going to give her her space. Uh, 
and stand outside the tent for a little bit. And then when Amity, you come out, uh, he'll nod and sort of sheepishly step in. And uh, since the table is low, he'll get down to his knees and get get to her eye level. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know you've been sort of answering a lot of questions today, and I, I had just a couple. Um, you said that I was the vassal of some king, some a dying king. What, did, what do you mean by that? Who's that? Do you know who that is? My dear, I understand your curiosity, the tinge of desperation perhaps, but my dear, not all secrets are mine to give. I am sure you understand. But you're allowed to give half of them. Is that not what fate offers all of us? Half-truths and places we seek full ones? Contortions of reality where we would otherwise wish things to be laid clear. Perhaps there are mists in a way. But then again, sometimes the path is laid clear. And other times, well, perhaps we must set the path clear ourselves. You mentioned mists. Um, you said that one of my companions, she was mistouched. Were you... What do you mean by that? As I said, my dear, not all secrets are mine to give. Perhaps you'd best ask her. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, thank you, I think. But of course. Metreon gets up and has this semi-confused look on his face and just sort of stumbles out. And, and Amity, if she's still around, would see that he looks more confused than when he went in there. He would see as he comes out that Lillison has apparently changed her mind and has like walked back over towards the tent and is waiting for him to leave. I love that. Uh, Metreon being a little bit startled by seeing her there. Oh, sorry, love. Uh, there you go. And he sort of does this exaggerated bow and gesture towards the uh, the entrance of the, the camp. She gives him like a little look, like a sort of like, are you mocking me sort of look. But after a moment, she just gives him an exaggerated curtsy and uh, walks into the tent. Well, my dear, I thought you might return. What can this old Vistana do for you? Why did you do it? I've done many things in my life, dearie. You'll have to be more specific. Why reveal my true name? My dear, if there's one thing that the fates do not abide, at least in the walls of my tent, it is falsehood. Forgive me, for it is truth that I share and truth that I see. I would not expect you to provide falsehoods, but forgive me if I observe that 
there is plenty of room to not reveal things, such that the choice as to what to reveal seems to be a very deliberate act of, well, in any other circumstance, I would say act of war. Well, remarkable words and truly a mind fit for a diplomat or perhaps a politician. But such things are far beyond the ken of a humble fortune teller, I'm afraid. I... I do not think they are. Perhaps. Perhaps not. But then again, what can any of us truly say we know beyond that which is shown to us? We can say that we know what we have found for ourselves, I believe. And you, venerable one, have quite as much experience as anybody else in your craft, I think. Well, I should hope so. I would be a very poor fortune teller indeed were I to lack such experience. But then again, all must start somewhere. What is your purpose in all of this? My purpose? My dear, I read fortunes. Is that not purpose enough? No, it is not. Revelation of the truth or of anything else is always bent towards a purpose. Perhaps it is. Perhaps not. I listen only to what the fates guide me toward. Beyond that, well, it is up to you, my dear. Do the fates have such a purpose, then? Who among us would question the intent of the fates, my dear? I am an extension, a tool of the eye that I wield. I would not presume to direct it or question it. It simply is. I see. Well, thank you then for the knowledge that you have given us and we will try to wield it wisely against our enemies. Ooh, wisdom, you say. Truly always an invigorating concept. Well, if wisdom you claim, then with wisdom you go, my dear. And well met this day. Thank you for both the gifts and the questions you have provided. Of course. And, and Lillison will uh, give her a more cordial nod this time um, and leave. Ava returns the nod and just watches you go with uh, the flames glittering mirthfully across the surface of her eyes. And then the tent flap falls shut behind you and you find yourselves once more in the camp. Yeah, uh, I'd say Metreon sort of hung back towards the entrance of the tent and when Lillison comes out, uh, if she's being observant, she would probably see him sort of arms crossed standing next to it. 
She pauses outside, uh, letting the tent flap fall behind her, and gives Matriana a curious little look. Want to talk about it? I suppose this is your revenge for yesterday at the Blue Water Inn. Talk about what, Metreon? Revenge is a very harsh word, but listen. And at this point, he takes out his wineskin and takes a swig and offers it up to her if she wants it. She's going to take a look at it, um, wipe it off, like wipe off the mouth of it on her sleeve and then take a swig. Listen, I know... I know how painful it is to get na- get your name dropped like that, you know, especially when you, you're not the one who you're not the one who, who let it out. So you have more sympathies there. I thank you. I suppose. What do you suppose? Because I don't think that this is quite the same situation as yours, but I do appreciate the sympathy. It isn't, but you know, no one likes their secrets told. I'll get it. And so? So you've been touched by the mist, have you? (sighs) Haven't we all? Yeah, but you was the only one called out specifically for it. What do you think that means? I think, perhaps, it simply means that she ran out of titles to give us because she wanted to give each of us three, and, well, vassal of the Undying King, perhaps not all of them need to mean something. I would like to see if she's hiding anything from me. By all means. Oh, right. Uh, that's an 18 on insight. All right. Uh, looking over Lola soon, she seems to be being forthright. Was that plus nine to deception? <laughs> <laughs> well. Fair enough. I just wanted to say uh, I'll get it, and that's all. Her expression softens a little bit, and she says, You... I don't understand all of the terminology that you used before when you told us about what you used to do, but... You used to pretend to be something that (sighs) saying it like this sounds so banal, but you take up a role, do you not? I mean, it depends on who you ask. And I guess it depends on who you ask and what role they think I take up. I'm asking you. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was thrown in here just like the rest of you. So I don't know what my role is. 
Are you used to having a role to conform to? I mean, if you pay me enough, I'll, I'll play almost any role. But, you know, like I said, I don't really travel with uh, with companions that much as of late. And uh, you all are the first that I've heard in a while. So working with, uh, working with others is not my strong suit. So I'm still trying to figure it out. I think we all are. But... She looks around. Um, how close is like anybody else to them right now? At this time, I mean, uh, I believe the others would have probably joined the NPCs who have by now, you know, made their way toward the wagons. They're kind of sitting at the periphery of the uh, Vistani circle. They're, they're occasionally casting glances toward them, but right now uh, you can see Esmeralda, Ismark, and Irina kind of standing between like the northernmost wagon and like halfway to the shore, just kind of speaking quietly to one another and looking expectantly toward you for when you're going to join them. Lillison glances over to the others for a moment, then lowers her gaze and reaches out a hand and puts it lightly on Metreon's shoulder. Metreon glances at it, raising an eyebrow, but doesn't say anything more. When she looks up at him, um, her face looks very vulnerable for a moment, and she says, When I wear a mask for a performance, I generally do not expect others to come up and tear it right off of my face. Yes, that's, that's a real rub, isn't it? But um, you got a strong mask if 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 it's any consolation. Steady. So do you, which leads me to wonder why you took it off. What do you mean? You told us willingly about everything. It takes a lot of energy to do that, you know, to, to keep that up. And, you know, I also figure we, you know, we've only been here a couple of weeks and, you know, it's, uh, it's very likely that we will die here. Uh, so I figure, you know, if I'm going to spend my last moments here and if I'm going to spend it with you all, I, uh, I should be a bit more comfortable, I guess. It's not comfortable keeping a mask up, you know. It's not comfortable being barefaced either. Well, existence is suffering, so I try to suffer as little as possible. Yes, well, I suppose if any of us were looking for comfort, we would not have come here in the first place, but... Well, I don't really think that was our choice, so... No. Uh, she gives his shoulder a little squeeze and then lets her hand fall to her side. Hey, I'm not going to ask you why you didn't want your name told. You know, it's your, that's your decision. But, you know, maybe think about you know, the pros and cons of transparency versus 
not transparency. I have been considering them for quite a while, yes. Oh, and give my wands good back. You've been holding that. <sighs> she gives him a look, takes another drink very pointedly, and then offers it back to him. He'll take it and not. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. You should, prob uh, you should probably get back to the others. Are you not? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'm just, uh, just need a minute to myself, you know. Yes, I know. We've been up each other's asses the whole time. You know, it's a little alone time. Might be nice. She will nod to him and head off towards the others. Okay, what are the others doing at this point? Erthrandir's found a spot for everyone to sit at decent distance from the Vistani by the river and is currently walking the length of the shore and the woods and just generally looking for any sort of animal that might be strawed adjacent. Make a perception check. Kiva has sort of uh, lingered near as uh, Irina and... Uh, is Mark, and they're just sort of hanging out with them while uh, Ethernir does his check. Natural one! Woohoo! You don't see any bats or wolves. It just seems to be, you know, you find yourselves a kind of very quiet little dirt patch, a bit of a ways off of the kind of gravelly, uh, earthy shore. Um, There's actually a place where the bushes kind of, you know, wrap around to conceal yourselves from the bulk of the encampment if you'd like a little privacy. Um, and just looking around, it seems fairly quiet. There's just a bit of mist curling across the ground, uh, an old dead tree kind of reaching above the place where you've now settled. Uh, and beside you, there's the river quietly lapping against its banks. Earthrendy will pick that spot. And just kind of wait, invite the others as they come drifting in, him busily sketching something on a piece of parchment. Emity tests the waters. It is quite cold, but seems reasonably clean. Quite cold as in too sharp for swimming? Mm. Uh, I mean, if you'd like to go swimming in a river in Romania in the middle of November, that's about what it feels like. Understood. So I suppose to folks kind of trickle in. The... Yeah, Esmeralda, Irina, and Ismark seeing where you're, you've gone, kind of, you know, begin heading over, assuming the rest of the crew does. Hell yeah. Yeah, Metron would. He's just hanging about back a bit, just taking in all the stuff that Aver told him, as well as his conversation with Lillison. But he would eventually make his way over to uh, yeah. the beach. Once... Kind of... Go ahead. Oh. Once people sort of trickle in... Amity's going to uh, relay. So, the Madame Ava told me that one of you might already have something that could, you know, predict the future. Well, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how I know this, but I think that if I could get these, like, maybe bones or sticks that are marked with runes or something else, like, 
you know, tea for a tea leaf reading. Actually, I don't know how that one would work. But do, do any of you have anything that like might be something like this? I actually do have a massive bag of bones with runes on them that I've been dragging around with me since I got here. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you had <laughs> bones with you. She's trying to crack a joke, but she's sort of <laughs> not good at it and also too sad to crack a joke. So it's that awkward person who's like depressed at a party where everyone else is vibing. Um, she does she does make an effort to look through her bag, though. She offers you the that horrible druid staff uh, if you're interested. It might have some runes on it. Erthrandir digs through his stuff as well and proffers the deck of playing cards from Death House with about 18 cards missing. I don't think this is probably what you want. As you hold the deck out, you notice that Esmeralda looks very thoughtful, kind of tapping her chin with a finger. Wait, wait, here. I'll be right back. And he uh, vanishes behind the bushes. Yes! And he's making her way back to the encampment. Huh. Odd. But yeah, uh, on similar note, Kiva, would you mind reaching out to the magic in the area? I want to be sure Strahd's not spying on us invisibly or something. I, I mean, I think that that is a good precaution, but I doubt that that will be the main source of information that he has. Can she, uh, let's see here, hold on. Let's, let's divine sense it. Let's try okay. that. You cast, uh, or not cast, but you open up your divine senses as a paladin and look around searching for anything that might uh, tip off your radar, so to speak. Um, looking around, however, you see no undead, no celestials, no fiends. Nothing that seems to be within view at any rate. And it doesn't it doesn't smell like, like evil around? <laughs> uh... Nothing that you can immediately <laughs> detect, no. Okay, amazing. Um, yeah, she'll relay all that information. Um, you know, definitely take some time to really check because she, she wants to be very certain. Yeah. Um, sure, you but... can make a perception check if you'd like to search around. Yeah, let's, let's try that. Yeah. No. No, we will not. <laughs> we will not be doing anything with that. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what what'd you get? An eight. Gotcha, yes. Um, glancing around, you know, you take a quick cursory scan of the area around the edge of the tree line while the others sit tight. I'm just checking behind a few bushes and behind a few trees and glancing back a little forlornly across the river. Uh, by the time you make it back to the rest of the group, um, you hear footsteps approaching through the underbrush and Esmeralda appears, carrying something in the palm of her right hand. While I'm looking, before I have a fun interaction with Esmeralda, um... She's also trying to use her blind sight to see if like anyone might be spying on them. So is that a separate check or is it just like she can see it? Uh, yes, I mean, with your blind sight, you know, you would be able to see anything invisible if you got close enough. Uh, you don't see okay. anything uh, that seems to turn up near you. While she's midway through, Aerithmity would also ask her to try the magic sense that she showed him back at Ismark and Irina's place. Yes, okay, I can do that as well. Hold on. And DM, since I came back later, could I say that I came, like, I, I run into Esmeralda on the way back? I think that's reasonable. Okay. Sure. Cool. All right, so she also um, opens her awareness to the presence of concentrated magic uh, <laughs> within 60 <All right>. feet. 
<laughs> Very good. Uh, glancing around you, um, you notice... Um, I don't think you have any magical items on you. I guess you would see the... Uh, My spell scrolls, but that's pretty much it. Yes. You would also see, I suppose, a, you know, a small bit of... Um, I'm not sure what it is. Whatever it is for uh, Erthrandir's uh, Sending Stone, you would see a faint glimmer of magical aura, but nothing new there. Um, and as uh, Esmeralda returns, you see uh, glittering of magic, though not specific to a school, um, coming from the rapier and hand axe at her side, as well as the leather armor that she wears. But otherwise, you don't she see would, any yeah. other things that are of particular note. So she would... um. You know, just sort of give an odd to Ez as she comes back, but um, relay all this information that there's nothing that isn't already with us, that there's no one that seems to be spying, at least in the immediate vicinity, and uh, that there doesn't seem to be any sort of uh, untoward presence in the area, so that we're as safe as we possibly could be yeah. uh, in this area. Earthendir lets out a long breath. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Ever since uh, Ez demoed that clairvoyant spell to see what's going on with Victor. I've started getting a little bit more paranoid. No, I mean, as, as much as I can do it, I'm, I'm happy to make everyone feel comfortable. Uh, I can also do something else if, if you want. What is it? Oh, that's not for that's not for everyone. Never mind. I thought it was for everyone. <laughs> Sanctu Sanctu Sanctuary only works on one person. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, save that. Okay, never mind. Well, uh, as, as you uh, on the way, oh, yeah, I was Metron. just gonna say on the way back uh, when he when Metron intercepts uh, as uh, he looks over to her, uh, whispers a bit, "Oi, uh, your mama asking, uh, is all this done a uh, fortune teller's that uh, KG?" You're asking Esmeralda this. Yes. She gives you a look and then a chuckle. <laughs> it is, uh, I suppose, a bit of a occupational hazard. I have heard. Um, I suppose that is why I never quite stepped into it. It requires a bit of an air of contemplation that I, uh, well, I prefer action myself. Uh, but I have heard that seers can be a bit cagey about certain things. And, well, Madame Eva is uh, quite a legend amongst our people. So I would not be surprised if she is uh, in a bit of a league of her own, so to speak. So you think what she's saying, you know, is going to be helpful now? Like, if we, if we get all these things, we, we stand a chance. I think that, well, I certainly agree. I, I would not suppose that, um, well, that this is the only thing that we should do. There may be other tools or other allies we might be able to glean elsewhere in the realm, but if Madame Ava speaks of these things in particular, then, well, of course, we must discuss it with the others, but I should think that if we are to succeed, then it shall certainly perhaps be pivotable, pivotable on whether we are able to uh, claim the items that Ava has uh, accounted for. Yeah, fair point. That's right. Uh, oh, and uh, as they're kind of as they're clearing uh, and seeing the others, Metron will salute them in a mocking way. Arthur returns it, not looking up. Willowson sits down and looks over towards Arthur I would guess that the. That the biggest um, danger here is somebody here going and informing Lord Von Zervich of what we have learned themselves. Oh, sure. But when we're facing an enemy that can, well, 
twist our minds to his own, we can't really worry about that. I mean, we can, but it won't do anything. I... I'm sorry, what? I'm saying... We don't really have an option, do we? Like... It, it, sure, we can try and compartmentalize and make sure only one person has the information. But I get the sense that finding these items is not going to be some easy feat. So we need everyone to know, we need everyone to be able to discuss it, and... Well... We cannot really control when the vampire comes by and tries to sweep one of us off our feet with his magic mind whammy, so... We trust, we take precautions, and we do what we do. I actually DM have a question about something. Mm -hmm. Does yes, protection from evil and good or sanctuary prevent scrying in any way? Or help give us uh, a little bit of an advantage against it? Uh, it would not... Uh, yeah, it, it, so protection from evil and good only affects attack rolls, charm, frightening, and possessing. Uh, scrying does none of these things. Okay, damn. I thought that would be another another bonus. Never mind. Sorry for interrupting. Fair thought. You're good. Now well, that... I, can, I can put my fingers in my ear if it helps. No. Now that the information is out, there is certainly no point in trying to not have a frank and full discussion among us, but... I mean, think about it. If you are the lord of a land and there is somebody in your lands who, have, who has been telling people how to kill you for dozens, if not hundreds of years, then why would you still suffer them to live? Surely you you would not, unless they are still cooperating with you in some way. I think that we should be anticipating. Certainly none of these items or people to be easy to, um, to reach. And I believe we should expect that he knows as much as we do. I, I disagree. Look, she says the fates can't be made more specific for anyone, and I can't imagine that he breaks that rule. He's here the same way that we all are. So, I think we do have the benefit of these being as vague to us as they would be to him. At least some of them. Vagueness, yes, perhaps. I do not think that she would go to the trouble of clarifying for him, but I think that he knows just as much as we do and I has mean, experience on us. If this last card is, you know, referring to him, then surely he knows where he looks in the darkness. Right, but also why would he go seeking out these items that could potentially harm him? I mean, wouldn't they just harm him if he got them? To destroy him, probably. But he'd take some damage if he was trying to destroy them, I'm sure. Or to wait in uh, in the hopes of ambushing us before we arrive. Ez, you oh. said that Madame Eva was uh, revered among the Vistani. But, like Lil said, she's been if she's been doing this for a long time, she's been operating, giving others like us fortunes and whatnot. Straw's got to know. And when he says his name, he covers his mouth uh, reactively. He must know. 
So, well, what is it, dear Dan? What, what's the deal that I have? Like, is he afraid of her? Are they working together? That I cannot know. Uh, as I have said, uh, Madam Eva is um, a bit of a living legend amongst uh, my people, but, well, I cannot even say if Madam Eva is her true name. No one that I know of knows of a true purpose. No one that I have spoken to knows of why she chooses to remain in Barovia. Well, certainly she could depart if she chose, but as for why she remains here, as for why she provides such fortunes to those who request them, or at least why she provides such reasons to those that she feels appropriate, that I cannot know. But all I do know is that a Vastana, even if one's heart is corrupted, if one is a seer, to lie about what the fates would tell would seem to me at least to be quite a horrific thing. The Hazos have been cast out of the Vistani uh, for lesser crimes, but as far as she would betray us, I do not know that she would. Though, of course, this is conjecture. I think that, you know, if she would, then she already would have done so, and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, from this point onwards, so I think that if we want to do our best to try to keep this inf the information that we do know, or at least our calculations and interpretations of it from reaching the wrong eyes and ears, and that is surely a worthy goal. If nothing else, the Zarevich is not omniscient, and then anything that we can do to cover our tracks or cover where our tracks may be headed is certainly not a bad idea. As do you have that map that you uh, you had in your wagon? I do, yes. Uh, would you like me to take it out, then? I think it might be helpful. I think I know where one of them is. I'm not going to say it, of course, but maybe I'll point it out, and we can see if we agree. And she will pull out the map. Ooh. Ooh. So... Looking at the map, and then she's gonna like look at Irina one more time. That like I think this is it. She's going to just take like the little like pen out of her bag that she used to write in her notebook and just write um, "weapon" next to Kresk. Well, listen, nods. Um, that you're nods too. Erythrindir will burp. Yeah, Erythrindir agrees. Amity holds out her hand for the pen. Okay. And yeah, she'll have it she, over. Uh, Amity then outlines the east edge of Castle Ravenloft. And uh, writes morning light. Erythrindir's eyebrow quirks and then kind of realization hits him. Metreon gives her a sharp look when she does that and starts shaking his head now. Amity raises an eyebrow and gives him the pen. Uh, he takes it and writes above it, No way am I going there. <laughs> Amity rolls her eyes and says, I, I, Eventually. See, Kiva would take the pen and instead write morning light at the Abbey. That's where she thinks Eva was talking about. 
You see as Aerithrandir pulls out his own pen. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> ruining Esmeralda's map. Positively destroying it. It's okay. Yes. It's, not like, it's not like cartographers didn't have printing presses in Fantasy D&D where she got this. No, this it's not like this is hand-drawn or anything. Yeah, and he circles the area by the Wizards of Wines and writes guild member bottles. Mitreon shrugs and circles around uh, Velaki and puts some question marks above it. Kiva again thinks perhaps the Abbey as well because she writes the word tomb and underlines it. Oh. Neither of the churches had mausoleums in their graveyards. Maybe the term, maybe tomb is a colorful language thing, you know, I don't know. Uh, but here, uh, and he starts to like scribble in uh, an arrow uh, pointing both at like an arrow pointing back and forth at the Wizard of Wands and the uh, the Blue Water Inn, the Valaki. Wilson sits back and, you know, after the very first um, circling of Kresk, she has been not paying so much attention, but after a moment, she pulls out her own pen as well, uh, leans forward and just puts a light dot um, at the little estate next to the Luna River. What is that? That's Arkin Vostal. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Metreon looks at Lillison in, in, in a kind of quizzical way. What is that? As good a guess as any. For which one? She shrugs. I mean, there's only one castle that she talked about, and it's the castle that Right. None of us, particularly me, want to visit. So Maybe we make that our last stop. Well, listen, we got the dress. Maybe we just go over to, to, to the abbot, you know, uh, as you could pop in and say hello. Yeah. And uh, we'll pop in after you and give him a dress, and, you know, we'll, we'll stack up our, our, our resurrection credits, and then, you know, we can, uh, you know, maybe wander a little bit uh, further down and, you know, maybe... Do some uh, Spring by the pool again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe go for a dip, uh, you know. Dragna. Or, yes. Sorry. Uh, remind me, when we've heard Argon Vostolt referred to, have we heard it referred to as an order of paladins or just knights? You've heard of specifically, um, let me check my notes here real quick. Uh, you have only heard that it is. Uh, reportedly haunted uh, that a dragon evidently died there long, long ago, and that it is haunted. That's all you there know. There were some it. knights involved. Uh, I, I don't you... remember any mention. Okay, no, I trust there. your notes. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you've, I believe you heard from Casimir that there was an order of knights uh, involved with a dragon that did fight against Strahd on his invasion into the valley. You learned that from Casimir. Uh, okay. He didn't speak of the mansion itself, but you have heard of an order of knights and a dragon that fought against uh, Zarevich. Aye. That's all. So but Before we go back to Crest, just in case there's something closer by, no longer sulling the map, Amity draws this in the dirt with her tail. It's a stick figure with a raven head uh, holding a sword. She... Kiva shakes her head a little bit if she's if Ab, if amity is talking about the the were raven that helped us kiva's gonna think 
she said specifically old, and this one didn't seem old. It had, and, and look at Metreon to confirm that his voice did sound uh, distinctly like a young man, like their their age range. Yeah. Like, are, you, are you scratching this in the dirt? Are you talking about this? She she would explain that like he sounded younger than Ava mentioned. Um, uh, then well, surely he'd know the older one at least. It can't hurt to check to in. With them. Well, I mean, we know that these these guys and he, uh, Metrian points to Velaki. Uh, these guys know this guy, and uh, he points towards the Wizard of Wines, wherever that is. So, I mean, you know, I feel like we could start just going between the two of them. You know, maybe one of them knows. I mean, it talks about bottles, and, you know, these guys have bottles. So we start here, and she's going to point to Velaki. Then we go here to Kresk. Um, She'll point there. And then down to the Wizard of Wines, potentially. Earthendeer nods, and then kind of a horrible look strikes him. He kind of... He... So, uh... Where it, it said that, like, Strahd would be, that morning light, or sacred. He points to the village of Barovia. Do y'all remember that church and what we heard? Yes, but yeah. surely he wouldn't have been down there. I'm not saying he's there, but if that I, I it, you know, that's about as a sacred place as, maybe it's not him, but it might be connected. Look, or as much as I the Abbey. Yeah. As much as I don't like to say it, we're gonna have to head back there anyway. Eventually. Because we are eventually going to have to deal with the castle. So it can't hurt to check that church because it had that symbol like uh, Lucian had, didn't it? Yeah. The, the sunburst. The sunburst, yeah. More than your kind of nods. Well, uh, I think with these sort of clues, we go certainties, then probabilities, then maybes. That lessens the opportunity of Strahd finding things out and getting two places before us. I'd call that a maybe. So I'd say we hit the one we know to be true first. I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, yeah. when we get over there, you know, we, we turn in the dress and, you know, I feel a bit more comfortable on the road if we got that in. Yeah, we absolutely. should be careful at the Abbey, though, because that is another potential place of great holiness. And a certain... Uh, holy figure's uh, relationship with a certain unholy figure might be a little suspect as well. Also, well, as long as we stay on his good side and deliver him this beautiful dress, uh, if he keeps up his end of the bargain, it gives us a little bit of a even footing with Strahd. Also, we should keep in mind what locations could be along the way to others. For example, what are we doing about Victor? What I, well, I'm not doing nothing. Why do we need to do something? Didn't we leave him with the elf, Casimir? Yeah, he's good. Not forever. He's learning elf history. He's all right. We got we got work to do, you know. We yeah, can't take a child with us on this. Like, there's no place for him to stay with us. I'm not saying that. 
I'm saying at some point, not soon, maybe in a few days, once we've checked on some of these leads, we need to get him somewhere safe. Casimir's temporary. See if the Kreskovs will can find a place for him, I don't know, but that's... Are you sure uh, the Kreskovs will be safe with him? No, but I don't think anyone, anyone in the valley is safe with him, except for maybe Casimir. So maybe we just leave him there. I mean, he gives me the creeps. Oh. I would not want to do that to Casimir. <laughs> Likewise. Victor is very powerful. He is more powerful than Erthrandir or me. And there are ways that we can turn that to our advantage. What if we just lock him in that tower that turns off your magic? Wait, I think I see what you're saying, Olil. You may maybe, you know, uh, bring a little firepower with us. Not a boy. He's a teenager. We're not doing that. Well then, what else? Then he's no use to us then. Leave him with cares and throw him in the tower. We got stuff to do. Let's head west, let's get our things, and work our way back. Wilson looks over to Erthrandir and says, You know, as well as I do, that sometimes people can provide a great deal of help from behind the front lines. Erthrandir squeezes his eyes shut, massaging his temples. And if at all possible, I would prefer to keep him from having to be even involved in this. His family's just been murdered. How about we give the kid a little time before we draft him into our own little map cast quest, eh? Time. Time enough for him to recover or time enough for him to turn whatever violent impulses he has in a very unfortunate direction. Like I said, we put him in that tower and make sure he can't leave them. Lock the I am behind not, us. I am not allowing anybody to be put into a tower where they do not want to be. Well, what are you suggesting is the alternative? He kills all of us when he decides to turn of age, or we put him in a place that he can't hurt anyone? Erythrindir holds up a hand. Lilson I can't is, I... is staring at Kiva with just this look of utter shock and horror on her face. I'm not suggesting kill him, but like he needs to, if you're that worried about him, if you're that worried about anyone we put him with, then maybe it's best that he stay in a place where he can't hurt anyone. Lillison stands up and walks away. Am I saying something that's so outrageous? Yes. Then fine, let him kill whoever he wants when he realizes that the world is actually a shit place. Kiva gets up and walks away too. God, Erythrindir just claws at his, or just puts his head in his hands. No fucking communication skills, I swear to God. Stare, stick around for five seconds, work something out. They you know, explain what the fuck the problem is. It's not that difficult. I'm surprised it's not you and me doing that. <laughs> Erythrindir shoots him a half kind of indignant, but half like, yeah, yeah, fair. Point taken. I think we're overcomplicating things, and you know, I, I, your boy Victor's been through some shit. There's, there's no debating that, and he's got a lot of power behind him. And if it were up to me, I'd like to use that power, but it ain't. I feel like we just need to focus on one thing at a time. 
you know, be observant of things that are around us, but we know where one thing is. We know we have something, to, uh, a boon to get from that area. Let's just focus on that first. Earthwinder nods. That's good sense. That's very good sense. We'll He'll be safe with Casimir for a few days. We can decide what to do with him when we get to that. And listen, if you don't want to use him as a, as a cannon, then you know what? You can have a bond with him after this is all done. <laughs> Earthwinder gives a, a hollow little laugh. I, it's not that I... Metreon, it's not that I like like the kid. It's not that I want to be his best friend or his father figure or whatever. I just don't want him to go through this shit. I, it's not that I think he's like some sterling little spark. I just know what happens to people who don't have support or care when in times like this. Like Lil said, he's more powerful than you or her. I think he's. I think he can hang. I think he can hang on to himself. And you know, we gotta worry about us. We ain't. We don't have his kind of power. Earthendier kind of gives Matreon a long look, and there's a mix of like acceptance and a little bit of fear. And he nods a little hastily. Yeah, no, we we don't. We don't have anything like that. We just we'll we'll figure it out. And if we need, if we need to, I'm sure he can. We can have him cast some buff spells on us before we go to the castle and die. That'll be a, you know, that'll be fun. Does it's going to be up to him how much he wants to help us. Uh, unless you, you you mean you're turning on your uh, ultimate Aethrandir persuader mode. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think the, my, the ultimate Aethrandir persuader mode kind of pales in comparison to anything Lillison can pull, but I can certainly try. Speaking of which, he Yeah, stands. after a moment, I was going to say, you, like, see Kiva walk in the other direction, and then she very pointedly walks after Lillison and is trying to get her to talk. <laughs> this is like a complete 180 turn, and she's, like, <laughs> after Lillison. If at all possible, is going to try and intercept Kiva for a moment before she gets to Lillison. Yeah, she would She would stop. She's like, I'm not going to hurt her or anything. I just want to talk. I apologize. I, I clearly hit a nerve. Do you understand why you hit a nerve? Well, no, she doesn't exactly talk to me. Then would you mind if I helped you? Not talk to her, but I think I could explain a little bit. Give me five minutes, and then yes, I... Look, if I fucked up, I want to be the one to say I'm sorry before someone else tries to mediate, if that's okay. I'm not trying to mediate. I'm trying to help you understand before you get in there and make things worse. I'm not saying you would, but... It, he kind of shakes himself. I'm sorry. If, if you want to go right now, and I won't stop you. Yeah, Kiva just gives him a nod and then goes, uh, goes off to listen again. Lulison is standing comfortably far away from, you know, everybody um, and has summoned up, like, one thing of acid and, like, slammed it into the ground uh, and is currently just, like, staring at her hands. Not the beats, though, right? What? Sorry about that. That was my boyfriend in the background, everyone. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kill him. Um, okay, so Kiva, uh, 
Kiva would eventually, once she feels that Lillison is not going to turn around and acid splash her, um, if that is a feeling that she could get, um, she would just come over and uh, stand about 10 feet away, looking out the same way that she is, and just say, um, I'm sorry. Lillison looks over towards her, and her face is perfectly expressionless. Look, clearly I hit a nerve with something I said. And, uh, you don't have to tell me why. I'm not asking you, but... I didn't mean any offense. I just... If he's that much of a threat... If you're that afraid of his powers... We could give him food, supplies... Maybe Rictavio could check in on him. He seems as good as influence as he's gonna get. He's a kid, though, and I don't think it's wise to start dragging him around with us. Not with what we're planning to do. I think what we give him is knowledge and a choice. When you have that much power, the, the choice to do wrong is pretty easy, Lillison. It should still be a choice that is given. You and I are clearly coming at this from two different angles. I've seen what happens when people like Victor grow up unchecked. Lillison's face crumples, and she buries her face in her hands. Uh, there is a tiny little sizzle um, from where, you know, her focus is being pressed against her face. Kiva, like, winces a little bit when she hears that, and, like, makes a move to try to pull her hand away from her face so that the sizzle stops, but then doesn't touch her. Um... I don't mean to make you cry, and and I I remember the story you told me in the inn. We can give him that same choice, and also give him a safe place to make that decision. If you want me to go away, I'll just go. I'm, I might be making this worse. Erthendir said I would. What is safe? Safe for the world? Safe for the monster? What? Is there... Is there a way to live so that your life is not an offense against the world. I haven't found it yet. So no, I don't know if there is. 
in my understanding of monsters. And I'm not saying that boy is a monster, he's a boy. Monsters will do what they are want to do, no matter where you put them. I've carried on the same way I was pre-Barovia, in Barovia. But I know that place, that anti-magic place, Strahd can't get into. Angry mobs of people looking for the last of the Burgermaster's uh, family can't get in there. No one can use magic there to try to hurt him or draw him out. So as far as safety in Barovia goes, yes, that is the safest place that he could possibly be. Other than with Casimir, which I thought was going to be a sort of indefinite deal, but found out it's not. Melissa pulls her hands away and uh, wipes at her face for a while. Kiva, since this appears to be the day, when everything comes out, whether or not I want it to, the story that I told you. It was true. It was true. I was the child. Then surely you would understand, or I'd hope that you would understand from what you know about me and from everything that I have told you, that I would not wish that on a boy not even on my worst enemy. But we can't protect him. And I can't imagine that the five of us raising a boy would allow him to see, you know what, maybe the world is a good place. They put me in a tower so that I could not hurt anyone else anymore just by being around them. This is the first time since that day, half my life ago, that I have been in a place where I could go where I pleased and do what I wanted and feel as if anything that I did could make a difference in the world rather than waiting in two rooms for my life to end. So what do you propose we do? I think we need to give him a choice and say there are so many, so many problems in the world and perhaps you are too powerful. Perhaps you will use your power is wrongly, but you can do something, and it will mean something. Lillison, if I heard that, 
I would be compelled to fight for something that I am not ready for as a 17-year-old. We can explain how the tower works, explain exactly what it does, tell him how to get inside of his own free will so that he can choose to leave and go as he pleases, but that he knows that he has a place where he is untouchable and can make those decisions and grow up free of having to fight a battle that no one asked him to fight. And then when this is done and we can go, we offer him the choice to go with us. Outside, like he's wanted to do. And having, having the choice to stay, I, I suppose there will always be people who want to stay, like, like Vasilka. But just because you would take the choice to take up arms and fight. That is, that is because you, Kiva, are a good person who can never turn her back on somebody else's fight. I don't think Victor is that sort of person. I think he has spent his life perfectly willing to say no. I don't think that will change now. Kiva very briefly looks like she's going to vomit when uh, Lillison says that she is incapable of turning her back on a fight. Um, I did not mean to offend you or to hurt you or to make you think that even for a moment you or anyone deserves to be put away for what you are. As I've told you from pretty much the first time we had a conversation alone. I think you are incredible and strong. And, and I know you know this, but you did not deserve anything that happened to you. And the people who made you feel like you are anything less than what you are, or twisted what you are into something more, they don't deserve to be in the same plane as you. I don't see where the difference between my story or Victor's lies. And there's, there is no blame to be given in my story. My parents did as they thought was best for everybody and perhaps it was best for everybody. It is 
It was certainly a comfort to me, knowing that I would not be accidentally killing anybody else. But this is who I am, Kiva. I am a monster who kills people that she is close to, and this is what I will be for the rest of my life. And I swear that it is the happiest that I have ever been to know that I can put that towards a good purpose, killing a monster who chose to be a monster. I can tell you from experience, not as satisfying of a feeling as you think it is. It's the journey and not the destination, yes? <laughs> yeah. You could say that. Kiva looks very small right now. Physically and, and emotionally. She looks very sorry. And she would say that again. Um... I am. I should have let Earthwinder do this. And uh, she, she'll walk away. Earthwinder's okay. waiting at the lake's edge, kind of where Lil's in it, and where sorry, where Kiva has had to go. You were right. She's just gonna go off in the woods until she's far enough away to, um, to just scream. Wait, please. Do I? I take it you understand why she reacted the way she did now. Kiva doesn't say anything. Uh, Randy, I mean, look at her. I think she gets it. That's not what I was trying to say. I was. Look, you don't need to rub it in any more than it's already been done. Can I go now? He, like, opens his mouth. Yeah. Sure. Thank you very much. And she continues on, like I said, until she is far enough away that she can just scream in the woods. While Kiva and uh, Lillison were having that conversation, um, and you watch as Kiva just makes her way into the darkness, and soon enough the boughs and the canopy of the trees kind of come in behind her, and she vanishes into the shadows. Um, Emily, I believe uh, you had asked uh, Esmeralda for something. That is true. Okay, so... As Esmeralda and, or sorry, as Lillison and Kiva make their way beyond the bushes and, uh, you know, to have their own conversation, Esmeralda kind of coughs and turns toward you. So you were looking for um, 
something that can see the future or something of that nature, yes? Do you have one? Well, uh, I have something that might be of uh, service. It is not quite, does not quite have the history that uh, Madame Avers does, but nonetheless. And she uh, holds out her palm toward you. You see a small wooden box holding there that she offers toward you. Oh, oh my gosh. Emily takes it uh, and and opens it. It opens easily enough. Uh, it's a fine, dark uh, oak-like wood. Uh, and inside, you see what seems to be a small uh, rectangular shape wrapped in a silk cloth. And as you pull away the cloth, you see on the back in slightly different design, but of a familiar, very familiar um, aesthetic. You see the the curls and the swirls um, of black and white spiraling across the backs. You can see um, depictions of um, uh, intricate patterns uh, like latticework across the back of the card. Esmeralda just kind of uh, raises an eyebrow and says, go ahead, take a card. Amity um, runs her fingers through the cards, sort of turning them over, looking at the artwork. The, these are beautiful. Um, and then just sort of tries experimentally dealing a few out. Uh, no real rituals happening yet. She finds the cards that Madame Ava showed her. Can As you go through, I, you do in fact see that it is a full deck of Taroka cards. Uh, slightly different illustrations, hand-drawn, beautifully illustrated and colored. Uh, and easily enough, you are able to find, uh, after some searching, uh, the priest, the guild member, the healer, the raven, and the artifact, and lay them down across uh, a dry patch of earth. Can I use them sometimes? I mean, when when you're not. She shrugs. But of course, uh, so long as we are traveling together, I don't see why not. Um, and who knows, uh, I am not uh, exactly seer material myself, so I've doubled a bit, but perhaps they will serve you better. Amity yeah, uh, clutches them to her chest excitedly. Th thank you so much. These these are amazing. Um, she turns to whichever her, her commands are not currently storming off. Uh, I, I was thinking... Um, I don't know if this is the best time to bring it up, but if this wouldn't hamper our, our like coded communications, maybe I could do a sending to that person, the the that raven with the sword, and maybe ask them if if they know anything about where the the old one is. That I mean, probably would mess with the communication, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he's got ears and eyes everywhere, you know. We we know what he's done with. Uh, he gestures over to to Erthendir with his uh, communications. Yeah. Uh, I, you're saying that he might intercept it. Yeah. Probably. Is it possible that? <clears throat> well, if I if I were to use these cards to try to predict whether he intercepted it. Would that, would, would that be a good idea? I don't know. You know your own magic. 
you want to try, I'm not going to stop you. I'm, I'm sorry, I've just got stuff on the mind. Yeah, go. Go for it. I'll, I, I might wait to... Well... Better, a better time to maybe ask Lillison as well, just make sure. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good plan. Don't get me wrong. I, you, if you think it's a good idea, then do it. You have as much right to make your own. You don't have to wait on the tacticians or whatever. But the tacticians are smart and tactical. Yes, and so are you. You don't. You don't get to. He, he's. There's obviously, like, something else going on, but he is kind of struggling through it. You don't... It's okay. You don't have to rely on us. You can just... If you have a good idea, then do it. It's... It's okay. No, I mean, right. you're pretty clever. You know, just, uh... Play to your strengths. All right. If, if you trust me, then, then I'll do it. But it... It might take a while, and I actually will need to lean on one of you to help. Um, I think I need to do a seance. Shit, that... Really? You can do one of them. Hopefully. I mean... It'll be my first time trying. Uh, I, I don't think I could have done it before I got here. What well, she meant? Yeah, speaking of which, so everyone, how, how do you? And you see that he's now struggling to articulate what he wants to say. You both know about magics, so yeah. I mean, how do you? Like, like wizards, you know, they, they read about stuff and, you know, things like that. But, like, you both just, what, you, you t tell stories, you sing songs, you talk to ghosts. You, but, but how do you get more magic, you know? Earthendeer kind of looks up from the funk he's been in. Well, it's a process, but I'd be happy to go, go through the theory with you if you like. I'm interested. All right. So, he kind of sits down with Metreon. And then he pulls his wand from his holster and hands it to him. You see this? This is what we call an, a focus. Now, I, it doesn't seem like you've needed to use one for the magic you've cast so far, right? You've kind of done that extemporaneously. I guess so. Well, the thing about... Okay, and you're looking to see if you can, like, channel new magic, right? I guess so. Uh, <laughs> uh... Hey, yeah. So, so far, what's been the common denominator in all the spells you've cast so far? What's been, what's been happening? How have you done it? Like, 
what what have all of them shared? Uh, huh. And he starts to kind of suck on uh, his little forked tongue, part of it sticking out, uh, biting, uh, biting into it a bit, trying to think. Huh. Well, I mean, I don't know when any of them's called or nothing, but when I was back at the, the winery, you know, when I, I got angry and I saw that druid slapping you all around, you know, I, I pounded the, the wall and I heard this this loud bell sound. And then when I was at uh, the church, when I saw, when Strahd was there, uh, I reached out trying to, trying to grab him and, but I was too far away, and so when I when I did, I extended my hand, and my hand appeared on him like ice. And then, when he got us in Kresk, I, I was panicking, and I was afraid that I was gonna, I was gonna die, and all this just this ice got all over me, and and even back when. We was the burgomasters, and and Isaac cut into me. I felt, I felt this like cold come over me, and and I felt myself just like on the brink. But I shot back up, right, and I had this energy, this this uh, vigor that I knew I had before. Arthur like staring at him, eyes shining. Got in one. So you see what all of those share, right? urgency intent like you were in right something life or death something was about to happen you needed help and so it came right yeah i guess i guess that's the way to look at it yeah so magic is complicated and i'm not sure that what i'm gonna say will hold true to you but he kind of takes his wand back and creates the image of a shimmering flower in the air. What you need to understand is that that intent, that kind of need, that can be a source. But if you're going to learn to use this how you want to use it, if you're going to let it own it instead of letting it own you, then you need to learn to turn that into what you need it to be. So... Remember when you uh, cast that spell on Lillison and you had that kind of, it's you said you didn't mean to? Yeah. Well, ideally, if you once you be, you're able to control your magic, you'd be able to turn that intent, that kind of emotion that you were drawing on and make it cast any spell you wanted. So, you know, for instance, Let's say that you're back and we're back in that horrible night. And, you know, there are people who are those wolves and ghouls are gnawing at you. But you don't want to create armor. You need to do something else because, I don't know, maybe one of your friends is in danger. Maybe you want to teleport away. So you find a way to focus and turn that energy, that worry, whatever it is you're drawing on. And make it do what you want. It's hard. It is incredibly hard, and it's why two of the members of our group are currently stomping off in separate directions. Because it is hard as hell. 
and I'm not you're not going to get it easily. But once you can, once you can turn this this magic, this need and make it work for you, then you'll be able to create all the spells you want, Matreon. Right. So I just got to like focus and try and stuff like that. <laughs> I which is no, no, that's a that's silly. I mean, you know, meditation and such will help, but the main thing is finding something you can use. I use my wand because it helps me focus on what I need to happen instead of just whatever emotion is, you know, trying to make it happen. Because, you know, if I try and cast without any of my focus, if I'm scared or angry, then my magic's going to reflect scared or angry, you understand? And I don't want that. I want If I'm going to cast a healing spell, I want it to be a healing spell, not a gout of fire, because I thought this person was being rude to me a bit earlier. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, DM, how much time has passed since we got, since we arrived at the camp? Uh, by now, I imagine it's been perhaps uh, 60, 90 minutes. Oh, I know, okay. You know, so... Passed since the start of the day, uh, assuming you left uh, the dusk elves around, I'd say maybe ten in the morning. Oh no, you already answered my question. Uh, okay. So at this point, I would say, uh, as uh, Metreon has been talking with you, uh, Randy and Amity, you would see, and any of the NPCs who are around would start to see that uh, the makeup, quote unquote, that he was wearing, uh, starts to uh, sort of dissolve and become uh, the pink skin and the white hair again. Oh. Hey, this is what I mean. Okay. I'm taking in that wasn't makeup. That's fine. So, Earthrendir kind of closes his eyes. Take my wand again. Oh, I might have to pay I... this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, buddy, you may be an eight, but I'm committed and... No. An eight? Just... And he snatches the wand. <laughs> Bloody nine and a half, ten. For you. Shush. If you're an eight, fine. If you're a ten, I'm a fifteen. But well, at any three. rate, you're bloody three to me. Go on. Okay. So you 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 need to bring that spell back, the one that kind of made your skin change color. Focus on what you want to happen. That need. But instead of letting it be about like whatever's fueling it. I don't know what's fueling it, the fear or the anger. It's usually one of the two for me. Focus on the want. Focus on your breathing and bring it into existence. Metreon holds Randy's wand in his hand firmly, uh, kind of dragging his thumbnail across it a bit as he's trying to sit and concentrate, eyes closed. And he, he takes this in, takes his words in, and they start to drift away. And as he does so, uh, Erthendir and Amity and any of the NPCs around would watch as Metreon's white hair starts to go into this sort of brown ginger shade and starts to grow very long. His pointed ears become even more elongated. Uh, his skin becomes sort of a pasty white with a big scar across the face. Uh, <laughs> I think I did it. <laughs>
I feel it. Did I change? And he looks down at his hands. What the hell is this? I don't recognize you, but yeah, it worked. Oh, you recognize me. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's only one person that's pasty white with a scar on his face. Oh, God damn it. Oh, God. <laughs> Arthur's just staring at him with a look of like between abject horror. Oh, God, it extends that far down. Holy shit. What do you mean? Extends far down. <laughs> and you start to see him rifle through his, his bag looking for his compact. Uh, he pulls it out. Oh, God, I'm a free. <laughs> holy shit it's i've never i've never seen me from this angle i didn't know my nose did that amity does my nose do that that's weird and the, the scar it's like holy uh yeah right uh congrats you did it metron unless you're throws the yep. wand back at Randy and like shakes his head and as he does it sort of shakes away the the visage of Erythrindir and goes back into uh, pink Met Metreon mode I, I, I'd i have to look at you a little longer to be sure but I feel like if you went into if you went behind a hut and just came out then I might have trouble figuring out which one was which Erythrindir looks a tiny bit offended at this I <laughs> I, I mean, as soon as you started talking, I'd be able to figure it out. Fair enough. But yeah, no, did that... What What did it feel like when you tried to cast that? I felt that cold go up my spine the first time... Like the first time I felt it in my dream. And and then I just felt like this, like... Kind of like the tingling sensation when, you know, your foot falls asleep or your, your hair starts to stand on end. And uh, at this point, Metreon looks back and... Uh, sees if he can see uh, Esmeralda or Irina or Ismark. Uh, I mean, they're probably still around where Amity and Esmeralda are. So if Amity's come over, they're kind of like, I mean, you've moved a bit away from the group, I imagine, right? Oh, we were with Amity. So I guess they'd be... They'd... Yeah, they're currently present. All right. So, uh, yeah, Metrion looks up at Esmeralda and smiles. And as he does, uh, he very, in that same uh, dissolving kind of way, uh, dissolves into Esmeralda. She glances at you and uh, grins very, like, tightly. There's a bit of a shudder. <sighs> Don't do that. Uh, that is... Uh, brings back bad memories of a time I, I met particularly unfriendly doppelganger. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, like, scrubs his face, and as he does, the spell wears off. It's good. It's, it's quite impressive. Uh, I imagine that there were a few times when I could have been quite grateful for such an ability. Yeah, no, this is incredible. So, okay, that that's good. You can do it on command. That's fantastic, actually. That, yeah, uh, Deer looks a little sheepish. Does that kind of uh, answer your question, I guess? Yeah, I think it does. Maybe all a right. bit. I don't know. It's all a bit heady for me right now, but you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going I'm to roll with it. And uh, yeah. he gets up and starts to walk away. And as he, as he does, he starts to turn into Blinsky and then drops that, goes back into Metreon, and then just starts to rifle through some of the other NPCs like Victor. And uh, he ends up in Father Lucian and shudders and drops it and goes back to his own form and starts to walk towards uh, the area that Kiva had gone to. 
That's Esmeralda kind of as you go with a small amount of like looking both impressed and mildly disturbed. I've never seen someone who can repeat that kind of magic so many times. It almost ceases looking like magic after a certain point. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I don't know where he's pulling his magic from, but I'm happy he's got a bit more control now. That's a. What I was hoping for. He's he's really good at it. He is. It's very impressive. I didn't recognize myself for a moment. You you said that the reason that I'm getting sort of more magic is because the the danger is making me focus. I think so. Yeah. It, is there any way to get more magic without being put in gobs of danger? <laughs> he laughs. And then kind of realizes she's being serious. Yeah. So. And understand, I'm an amateur. I don't know very much. I just kind of what I've picked up from a million books and some own theorizing. But magic. Yeah, yeah, you can pick it up like that. It takes practice and a lot of time and a lot of commitment and a lot of commitment to owning it and not letting it own you but yeah yeah you could do that without doing that it just kind of this whole place has fast-tracked us all i suppose I... Hmm. but i guess there's no feasible way to like start doing that right now it, it won't be as fast as the, the danger method he shakes his head. Don't think so. Amity stares out into the river. Or, I guess we're by a lake now. It's a river. <sighs> oh, good. Would... Earthen, go ahead. Would, would, would you be willing to help me do the seance? He nods. Always. Anything. And uh, after that, would you be willing to help me work out what I want to what to say to Kiva when I come back? I uh, absolutely. I, thank you. I, it's like half an apology, half an admission. It's it's gonna be a mess. I I wish I knew how to handle this kind of thing better. Me too. We'll we'll figure it out. We will. I, this, this this might end a little bit silly. I I don't know. <laughs> we might just be sort of standing in the water for a bit or by the water for a bit. Um, but hopefully something cool happens. Or at least hopefully I don't look entirely silly. Never. Okay, sometimes, but you managed to make silly look elegant. Do you have any um, candles or anything like that? Earthridew does. He pulls a candle out of his pack. Alright. Amity is going to move towards the lapping shore um, and draw a classical pentagram shape in the dirt with her tail and then set the candle in the center. And um, she's going to sit down just inside the pentagram 
he will. Uh, so, uh, where do you need me? Um, just opposite, on the other side of the candle. Yeah, he'll settle down. Sort of doing this by feel. I, I don't quite have this down like Metreon does. Um, <laughs> Metreon did not have it down ten minutes ago. I think you are w welcome to figure things out. Alright. <clears throat> so, I think now it might take a while. This, <laughs> So, be, you, you're going to have to be patient, but let's just wait and, and meditate and, and try to get in tune with all the spirits floating around here. And as Amity sort of settles into a just sort of meditative, just sort of looking straight ahead, um, the flame on the candle uh, flickers and becomes this like black light purple color. But yeah, she and then she's just going to just continue trying to feel a, a presence. This might take a while. Okay. And so as the two of you seat by the side of the river, you hear the gentle lapping of the waves against the shore, of the water flowing against its banks. You hear the rustling of the wind through the trees, and you can feel the chill of the faint tendrils of mist as they swirl across the earth and around your arms. In the distance, you think you hear a bird call and then fall silent. And further away, you can hear the crackling of the bonfire, the sounds of the Bastani at their camp, and slowly, strangely, it, the sounds begin to grow fainter, slighter, not as though they vanish, but as though you're shifting your attention, like adjusting the focus of your eyes from that which is near to that which is deep or distant. But instead you feel the sensation of something not quite like sound, not quite like hearing, but rather a resonance that you feel somewhere swirling in the back of your thoughts. At first, it's strange, almost somewhat indescribable, like a whispering, like a veil that you can feel yourselves pushing against. And beyond it, you can just faintly hear the distant sound of are those whispers. But surely you would have heard them before. There's, it's impossible to tell any specific voice, but regardless of how they're there, you can hear them now mixing, rising like a an undercurrent from beneath the lapping of the waves, like a constant white noise that bubbles beneath the surface of the things that one can see. And as you do, you feel yourself almost somewhat lighter as you slip deeper into the meditation as the state of oneness kind of wraps around you as you begin to release the tension from your muscles and open yourself, not only in, bind, in body, but in mind. And you can feel it there more strongly now, the veil, the whisperings on the other side, and you can feel like if you were just to reach out very slightly and touch it, something could potentially pass through. Arthur, do you feel a faint shiver down your spine and Amity, you feel yourself right up against the side of that curtain. 
Do you push it aside? Uh, Amity's going to just gently open the curtain and drift through. And you're through here? Yeah. As well. Okay. And as you do, you feel yourselves shiver. As a faint chill sweeps down your spines, you feel the darkness beyond your eyelids slowly dim. And as the whispers grow louder in volume, that is where we will take our break. Ooh. Ooh. I love that flavor. It would suck if they just talked to Strahd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they're sitting there like at the Black Lodge, just chilling. Damn good coffee. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to talk backwards in, in this seance, though. All right, excellent. Well, we will pick this back up after a 15-minute break. We will see you back here very soon.